Welcome back to Movie Trailers Review. This is Ro, and I'm joined by Joy. And today we'll be interviewing director Don Porter about her latest documentary, John Lewis, Good Trouble. Uh, we recorded this just as the world decided to explode and we had enough. So the conversation got a little interesting. And well, here you go. You know, I was talking to um, Erica Alexander, who's one of the film producers, and Tamar Kelly, who is the uh, composer of the film. And... Um, we were having kind of like a meeting to prepare for another conversation. And we were just a mess. <laughs> the next thing I know, we were like shrimp and grits and okra and roots and See? our lives matter. And yeah. like, who's, I, I can't even get into the other things because it got crazy. But I, I was like, oh, I need some normal crazy. Yeah. Normal crazy. I just want my girlfriends. I just want my normal crazy back. Yeah, I, I I patently refused to talk about anything that wasn't about fiction or genre fiction <laughs> specifically for the last 48 hours. So I've driven everyone crazy telling them that if they ever wanted to see the love child of the Twilight Zone and the Outer Limits, they should watch Vast of Night. Um, <laughs> I just read about Vast of Night. So. I actually really enjoyed it. I was surprised. Um, I, the editor-in-chief of the MTR Network made the mistake of not watching a trailer before agreeing to do a film <laughs> review with me. So he saw Shirley, which is super art house about Shirley Jackson. He's like, what did, what did you do? What, did, what did I just watch? I think Tamar, didn't Tamar do the music mm -hmm. for Shirley? Yeah. Yeah. And it's fantastic. That's what we were talking about. Yeah. And so yeah, I, she's a genius. And I ordered Joy offline yesterday. I was like, I'm sorry. I need you to take care of my friend. <laughs> and I'll talk to you in 24 hours. Yeah. yeah. I've deleted all. She forced me to delete all of my social media apps. So I yeah. am no longer. <laughs> you know what? That's somebody who loves you. That's love. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she does. She does love me. I'm sorry. When everyone starts to sound crazier than me and I fundamentally am aware that I am a hot level of crazy, everyone needs to take a nap. But it's like that Spike Lee scene, you know, when Ruby D's jumping up and down, yelling, burn it down, burn mm -hmm. it all yeah. down. Mm -hmm. And like, that was all of us yesterday. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, mm -mm. I was like, see, you know, the world is my mother refuses to get on social media, which her children bless and love her for. But she calls me. She's like, did the prep? I'm like, yes, mama. And we not going to talk yes, about it. Did. How are you doing? She's like, I'm fine. I bought your daddy a nude pill dispenser that has alarm. So he'll leave me the hell alone at 7 a.m. I was like, <laughs> okay, I need a drink. But <laughs> shortly after that, I started texting Joy about good trouble. Huh. Because clearly, you know, I had excellent timing for deciding when I wanted to screen this. I was like, I'll wait until right before so I could take my notes. And I'm like, oh, well, all There's right. But, yeah. you know, moving into that, when you decided you wanted to, to focus on John Lewis, which, by the way, thank you. Um, what kind of motivated you to think, like, now's the time to talk about John Lewis and do a documentary about his life? Um, so... I had done this series, Bobby Kennedy for president for Netflix. And John Lewis was the star of that four hours. Um, him telling the story of how, you know, I didn't know that he had worked for Bobby Kennedy until I started doing research for that series. And that not only did he work for Bobby Kennedy, but that he was the person who organized the rally in the black community in Indianapolis on the day that Martin Luther King died. 
talk about timing. Right. So John Lewis was the staffer who had prepared all these events for Bobby Kennedy. And then that one happens in Indianapolis on the night of King's murder. So when he told that story, John Lewis told the story, you know, he made a point of saying the white advisors were saying to Kennedy, you can't go to this neighborhood. It, it's too dangerous for you. And John Lewis said, you must go to this neighborhood. You must address the crowd. And that night, Indianapolis is one of the only cities that doesn't burn. And, you know, I think of what if we had leaders today who are addressing, acknowledging, and taking in people's rage and pain and saying, I hear you. Yeah. Not, I'm going to accelerate the violence, but I hear you and I see you and I'm going to work with you to fix this. Not, I have all the answers, but I'm listening. I'm listening. And so, you know, I think that obviously none of us knew that this moment would be this moment, right? Right. And uh, I would not wish this moment on anyone. Um, but I, I am grateful that my job was studying the life of this man because in these, particularly in these last few days, when things feel really dark, I mean, and they feel, you know, I think it's, I, I was just saying to somebody, so black and brown people are disproportionately being impacted by the virus. We are also the people first either losing our jobs or having to go to the frontline jobs with a lot of exposure opportunities. And we have no money. And then on top of it, you're still killing us? Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. Uh, I won't lie. I was actually, Joy and I talked about this and um, I was like, you know, I really have reached the point where I don't think I'm, a, I'm, I have a problem with people saying I'll take what's mine with blood and fire. And then I was like, I just quoted Dan Eric from Game of Thrones and <laughs> clearly we have a problem. But I was like, you know, there... There was a moment in the documentary where um, you actually pulled footage of the activists going through training to maintain nonviolence in the face of provocation, in the face yeah. of, you know, violence upon themselves. And it it just kind of, first of all, I'd never seen that. So that was fantastic. But the other was, I was really, really taken by the fact that you know, nonviolence is learned behavior. It's like, you, I don't, and the fact that they had to have people and that there was a movement, that there was a collective, that it wasn't just people who got together and say, we're going to go to this place. We're going to protest. We're going to bring this. We're going to come together. These people were together all the time. They put themselves in the mindset with the preparation. So, uh, I know about five people who should probably send you flowers and thank you notes because watching that changed how I dealt with them when they wanted to come at me with like, you know, but like peacefulness. I was like, really? How good are you at maintaining peace when someone questions you in a way that you don't like? And mm -hmm. so when people you people get on Twitter fights, they can't stand insults on Twitter, right. let alone on to the head. Right. So it just kind of gave this whole new perspective. And especially when you hear John Lewis talking about, you know, where he stands with it. And you had these moments where 
um, that I also had never seen with the timeline that you put together. And I would be fascinated to, to hear how you picked what you got after you got into the CNN archives. Um, the timeline that you put together of the moments of who he was involved with and where they were in synergy and when they started to fall apart and when people from older in the movement with like Thurgood Marshall is talking to him when he's in his early twenties and he's like, all due respect. Nah. You know? <laughs> all right. All right. We have to stop. Cause there's so much, there's so yeah. much in there. So, you know, I, but just everything, amen to everything you're saying. And I, I, I you have just <laughs> given me something in that you appreciated what I'm trying, what I was trying to do. And the first thing I will say is most of us think of the civil rights leaders as brave. We'll, we'll think of them as brave all day long. We're not thinking of them as strategic. Right. And these 19 year olds were strategic. They met for more than a year in that church basement preparing for that moment. So they, they studied Gandhi. They studied the nonviolent movement. Right. You know, John Lewis traveled. He went to Africa for the first time as a student. So, this was not a man who decided to get up and go across a bridge. This was a person who prepared himself for the fight that would become his life. Yeah. And so did all of those other student, mostly black leaders of that moment. And, and so it was very intentional to show. So the Reverend who conducts that training is a man named Jim Lawson, Reverend Jim Lawson. He's, he does those trainings now. He's 90 something years old. He does nonviolent trainings in Los Angeles one Saturday a month. And so I went to one and I did a ridiculously long interview for the amount of information I needed because I just needed to hear what he was having to say. I needed to he have him see me as a black person and just reach back beyond my psyche and start to loosen it up and allow some of this peacefulness to come into it, to enter into it. So the training was, it was a really, really important thing to see. Um, if you watch that little scene again, you'll see there's, there's little John Lewis, he's in the back. He can't even bring himself to hit anybody even in pretend. <laughs> yeah. You know, he, he's like, yeah, meanie, you know, like he's just not, he doesn't, he, that's not who he is. And Reverend Lawson gave him a way as a nonviolent, as a person who believes in the way of peace to be as powerful as people with, with weapons. Yeah. And so he found you know, like, that was the mentor that he found. So giving, you know, the narrative, we have to change the narrative of the civil rights movement. It was strategic and intelligent, not only brave yeah and we need to see ourselves that way so that was that was a, a huge thing um what was the second thing you said there was something else you oh, just said when you were putting together the timeline um okay so um i had this archivist that i have been working with and he found all this great footage of john lewis at, as a young man and he was like there's a film here there's a film here there's a film here um, and then CNN, you know, came to me and said, would you, you know, they'd had success with their RBG film, which is a wonderful film. 
So I was like, I think they were just in the market for 80 year olds. Like they love 80 year olds. <laughs> um, clearly. It's a lot and of life. It's a lot of life. It's a lot of life. And it allows you, um, for me, I really wanted to do that movie of John Lewis while he's still here. Well, I could talk to him and ask him about things. So it's obviously something I couldn't do with Bobby Kennedy. There were so many things I wanted to ask Bobby Kennedy. How did this change you? You know, I'd like if I could ask him those questions and I could ask John Lewis those questions. And he's just a very generous, giving person. My problem was like trying to keep up with him. He was just like this energizer bunny. I mean, his schedule was ridiculous. Um, so, uh, you know, sometimes we had a hard time keeping up, but um, exploring his life. I, I also kind of wanted, I wanted to show him what we all see you know, like we have that scene in the movie where he goes to the airport and people are just overcome, Yeah. you know, when they see him or the people when he's at the rally and, and um, he just always takes it in, you know, he's a receptacle for everybody's, uh, sometimes it's grief or anger. Um, a lot of times it's love, but he takes that all in. So imagine taking that all in all the time. He is quite an introverted person, actually. He's a homebody. And so I have seen him steal himself for doing that because he knows how much it means to people. And, you know, the, these last few weeks, I know, you know, I talk with his chief of staff, you know, almost every day. And I know how many people just want to hear from him. Just want to hear from him because we want to have something to believe in. So he, I, I think he was aware of the significance, but I also think that, um, sorry, my husband's really loud. Can you hear that? <laughs> sorry. What no um, I think that it takes a lot out of him to, to give that much, but I think that he appreciates it and he never takes it for granted. So what I wanted to do with some of the footage was we put him in like, you know, so if, from a film perspective, he's told a lot of the same stories over because everybody wants to know about these highlights of his life. So I, I just kept racking my brain, like, how do I get him kind of off script? You know, how do I get him to really be in the moment? And the way that we did that was we rented a theater. I, I, with the archivist and the editor, Jessica Congdon, we made like little mini movie of archive of his life and put him down in the middle of it, turn all the lights down, put him on a stool in the middle of the room by himself. And he just spoke to me. He would just tell me about this moment or that moment. And uh, I think it helped both of us kind of travel back in time. You know, sometimes he's shaking his head and annoyed. Sometimes he's like pointing out somebody, but he was, he was, that's also why I had him speak directly to the camera. Like you will not ignore John Lewis. He's not just anybody's interview. Right. You, you need to listen to this man and what he says. So those, that was the, the cinematic way of having him tell his own story to some extent, because he is my elder. I want you to hear it from him. I know, Joy, yeah. you had a question about... Yeah, no, I, uh, uh, it was really interesting, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, and seeing John Lewis in the way that we all collectively see him is super, super important. 
Um, and it's even more important to, for people to give flowers to our icons and our leaders while they're still alive and they can kind of process that um, that praise. I think a lot about Toni Morrison's The Pieces I Am when I was watching mm -hmm. Good Trouble and her that really being the last kind of interview and encapsulation of her life before she passed Absolutely. away. Um, and so I felt a lot of that in watching Good Trouble. But kind of talking about the people in, in John Lewis's life, specifically, you know, John obviously is in Congress, has been in Congress for a long time. And uh, it was really interesting to see various people on Capitol Hill seeing his praises, talk about personal anecdotes of working with him, both within the aisle and, and uh, across the aisle. How did you decide which members were going to be a part of uh, those interviews? Did some of them volunteer? Did some of, uh, some of them that you reached out to? Like, how did that process go? Um, that's a really good question. So um, one is I, I spoke with his staff, you know, and said, who has he really worked with? Who really knows him? Um, so that was one thing. And um, some people did call. Cory Booker was like, are you ready? Are you ready? Can I be in it? Can I be in it? Can I be in it? <laughs> and I appreciate that because he's like, I just love John Lewis. Like he's really important to him. So of course we were thrilled to have Senator Booker. But I mean, it's not often that a Senator is like calling you, you know, he wasn't calling me, but he was like, I want to be in it. I'm in it. Um, and I was thrilled to have him. And he said beautiful things and really helped us understand. Um, Elijah Cummings and um, uh, Representative Clyburn, those are his contemporaries in some ways. And I wanted to hear from black men who are his contemporaries. I wanted to hear, um, you know, it was such a heavy day when Elijah Cummings passed because the interview that he gave us was so beautiful. And um, ugh, I just get upset right now when he was like telling the story about how people think mistake him for John Lewis. Yeah. And I love that because, you know, we all know like everybody thinks we all look alike. So, um, I, so I was teasing him in the interview and I said, Congressman, are you saying that you have imitated John Lewis? <laughs> He said, yes, I have, because I don't want to, you know, upset, embarrass Johnny. But then he said, and it's fine with me, something to the effect of it's fine with me because I'm mistaken for a great man. And just, you know, um, I think it's rare that you, you, you get to see love between men and love between Black men this way. It just really, really affected me. It made me feel like I had the same feeling as when I'm around my uncles or my relatives and they're, we're kind of surrounded in that glow of the conversation um, when you're with family, it felt like family. So um, so I, I wanted to have that voice, that age and experience in that voice. And then I wanted to have the youngsters, you know, <laughs> the new people in Congress. And so that is the squad, that's AOC and Ayanna Presley. Um, Erica Alexander was very instrumental and she had, she has done a lot of work um, for certain candidates. And so she, like Erica being able to pick up the phone and call Ayanna Presley, Representative Presley um, and call folks really, really helped us do that. Um, so, but it was, it was actually kind of hard to pick because a lot of people wanted to say things. We did make an effort to reach out to Republicans um, to make it clear that this is not a partisan 
um, feeling for him and that, you know, there, there certainly was a time in Congress where you spoke more to your ideals and your values than to your, the letter that comes after your name. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was really interesting when the one Republican congressman would start talking about bipartisanship. And I was like, oh, this is when my mom said it was okay not to hate all of you. Please come back. But it, I mean, Joy was texting me and she's like, I can't wait till you get to the part later in the, um, in the documentary. And I'm like, okay, look, I am still working on something else, but I want to make sure joy. Um, uh, you had another question. I want to make sure that we get in here with that. Yeah. I think it's really so, valuable. And it was so fascinating because it was kind of like in the third, the third act of the, of the documentary. And we're about like 15 minutes left. And the Congress battle between him and Julian Bond really was fascinating. I never knew about that. Um, and their relationship prior to it, how it, it you know got very testy for lack of a better word uh, during that relationship. Um, was there any footage on the cutting room floor? One, was there any footage, room, uh, foot, uh, footage on the cutting room floor of you interviewing Lewis or even Bond about that, you know, reflecting multiple years later now that I think, you know, uh, uh, Representative Lewis has been in Congress, what, 17 terms? He's been there for a while. Um, and then also like, what did you, in terms of, of, of the placement and, and, you know, the, the, the goal of having that in the documentary, like what was your objective? What did you want viewers to get from that, seeing that scene? And also, um, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but if we could wrap it up in a minute or so, that would be excellent. So sorry, continue. Sure. Um, you know, this is part of the reason why we need to have black people tell black stories because we can't shy away. You, you take away our full humanity if you don't talk about our foibles as well as our successes. And I think that this is something in John Lewis's history that was, I mean, it's, it's not scandal that he <laughs> said something that by the way was true about his friend, but it shows you, it, it does tell you something. I think it was a very painful moment for both of us. And I did, I asked the Congressman every which way till Sunday to talk about it. And he just has this very Southern way of deflecting the question and saying, Julian was a great friend. He would just say, Julian was a great friend. Julian was a great friend. So, um, you know, but to his credit, um, I sat there and watched the movie with him. I went to his house and showed him the movie. Um, and, and I think it's important for everyone, for the black community to see, we have to show how people evolve and what choices they make. And maybe you or I make a different choice, maybe we wouldn't. But also we all value John Lewis being in the Congress today. Maybe you have to be human, you know, to make some choices. So I just thought it was a fascinating story of black political history that I hadn't heard. And there's so much more we could have gotten into. There was colorism. There was Julian was the light skinned, acceptable guy. And the idea that the darker, shorter, not, you know, traditionally handsome actor looking guy is the guy who wins. Like that's just fascinating. Yeah. Bit of political theater. So, um, I think for a lot of people, they'll get that without us being so explicit about it, but um, they both recovered. They did resume their friendship. 
um, I just felt like we all know, many of us know the great things that he's done. And that was, that was a time that was more difficult for him. So I, I really wanted to include that, as I said, to like, you can be a fully human person. You don't have to be, you know, we don't have to be Jesus in order to be celebrated. So, okay. yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I know we have to stop. So I just wanted to say, I think this has probably been the most holistic look at someone like John Lewis. Like, quite frankly, the only other thing that came to mind was Toni Morrison's documentary and RBG. Um, so I appreciate what you did. And I, um, I have a completely new appreciation for him and the longevity of his career. Um, and I hope that's what you were going for because, you know, kudos. <laughs> you sent me straight to Google. And I really hope, especially given the straight climate. Straight to Google. I love straight to Google. I did. I was like, I need a real library. I need some reference books. Somebody got some microfiche because I need newsreel. But um, I don't think you can get any better with that being the reaction that comes out of a documentary. And given that the climate and given the time and given how very much people are columbusing our own history for you to be able to sit down and talk to John Lewis and have him give us perspective on not just the steps through the activism and the steps through the civil rights movement. But as Ayanna Presley said that we're still in the civil rights movement because we're still in the civil rights struggle. And it just was a completely different kind of touchstone from the contributions of John Lewis's life. So I just wanted to say thank you. And we will be talking about good trouble all over the place. And um, Joy, did you have anything you want to add? Because you know I'll babble all day. I'm not right. No, uh, no, just thank you. Uh, I, the timing wasn't planned, but I think the timing is appropriate for when we are, you know, watching this film when it when it does come out. Um, what a wonderful celebration of a really very important man in this history and. Again, you know, I look forward to seeing more documentaries where we get to celebrate our Black leaders and our Black icons, and they are able to have a full 360 reflection of their lives during that time while they're still alive. And so I hope that's a trend that can, uh, continues. I'm so lucky that you, you're continuing that trend with Good Trouble, and so thank you. Yeah, so basically what we're saying is we're going to watch everything you ever do because we like it, because you're fabulous. <laughs> We liked it. We really liked it. I mean, I've been watching them yeah. since you did the one when you stopped being a lawyer. I mean, <laughs> part of the reason you stopped being a lawyer and went to be a filmmaker is when my mama stopped yelling when I stopped using my law degree and became a writer. So, again, <laughs> thank you for being fabulous and giving me an example. Uh, <laughs> um, well, you two are brightening this week, which is no small feat. So, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Absolutely. Give me a moment. Peace. Absolutely. Just I remember, really it. wine. We're all over 21 and we can have wine. Because you know, <laughs> we don't need it. Speak truth. Truth speaks. <laughs> okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye -bye. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye.